Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Welcome to the first episode of season four. Whoop, whoop. Let's get it. My gosh, first episode of season four. My God, it feels like an eternity that I have waited for this. Here we are. Grief Gang, this coming Saturday marks World Suicide Prevention Day, the 10th of September. And bizarrely enough, <laughs> I am partaking in a 34K challenge for the charity Suicide & Co., Running, swimming, or cycling 34 kilometers. I'm cycling. Apparently, that's the easiest way to do it. To raise vital funds for this wonderful charity that do so, so much for the families affected by a death by suicide. The two founders, Emma and Amelia, are previous guests on the show, and you can find their episode back in season two to hear their stories and all about the incredible work that they do. P.S. You will hear a little snippet from them at the end of this episode. So do stick around until then to learn more and what services they offer that could help you or somebody that you love. Suicide & Co. are actually how I met today's guest, Harry Corrin. Harry and I met back earlier this year at the launch of Suicide & Co.'s sweatshirt campaign, You Are Enough. You might have seen me stunting on the old Instagram with that, me and my sweatshirt. Absolutely loved it. We got to model their wonderful campaign and bring their mission and message to life. It was a true honour, true, true honour. Harry lost his dad, Will, to suicide at the age of 12. And in today's episode, you'll hear Harry take us back to that day and what those immediate days after his dad's death were like. How Harry and his family were treated in their town, how their local media treated his dad's death and how it was depicted. Most importantly, how detrimental that was to them all and their grieving process. Language around bereavement by suicide is so important. That's what today's episode is all about. We can all learn and do better whether we've been immediately affected by suicide or not. Harry and I discussed today certain phrases or terminology that is used both culturally and professionally that needs to be reassessed. We answer and discuss some of the sharings that you, the Grief Gang audience, so kindly shared. The things that grind your gears and things that comfort you. Harry gives such an open and honest account about how and why this conversation and learning needs to be had. 
so much so that I have verbally and agreed and signed myself up for one of his courses. Um, I'm actually really looking forward to it. I need to sign my life on the dotted line. Um, I really, really enjoyed this interview with Harry and walked away learning so much more than I already did. And I I hope and I feel like you will too. Um, It's important to note here, as Harry and I do later on in the episode, that even if there are things that we've said in this episode that we think or feel aren't appropriate to say, and you know yourself that you may have said them, it's okay. Like, it's okay. You're not a bad person. I know full well in this interview that there were times, and I think even Harry admits later in this episode that there were things that he feels now which are inappropriate that he himself has said, um, and that we have all said things that maybe weren't right in the moment. Um, but as you said, it's okay. You're not a bad person, and that you, we can all learn from each other and these conversations. So, Grief Gang, I introduce to you Harry Corin. Well, Harry, thank you so much for joining me here today on the Grief Gang podcast. It's, I mean, well, I've met you in real life and you're here in my screen. Um, I want to go back before we get into your story is on the day when me and you were doing up models of Suicide oh, & Co. <laughs> what a lovely way to meet. Yeah, I know you don't get that every day, do you? Um, Basically, back in, it was in February, wasn't it? Back in February. Well, Harry, you are a wonderful ambassador for the charity Suicide and Code. I'm sure they are absolutely going to be coming up in conversation in this episode today. But we went and modelled their their most recent then campaign. Um, and we got to model some wonderful jumpers and we got all dolled up and have our photos <laughs> taken. And it was a wonderful campaign, wasn't it? Uh, it was amazing. It's one of those very rare campaigns, I think, where, um, you know, it just captures your attention. You think, mm. you know, you start learning more about it and that's when you're hooked. Um, and yeah, doing it through real people and stories and amazing charity with people who just get it is, yeah, kind of a nice balance, I think. But, Absolutely. Yeah, always in mind. yeah, they're wicked. They're wicked. So, Harry, if you could introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about your story and who it is that we're here to remember and talk about today. Yeah, definitely. And um, yeah, just a massive thank you for having having me on. Um, yeah, lovely way to, to end the week. But um, yeah, I guess my I lost my father to suicide. This is the kind of the long and short of it. Um, I lost my father 15 years ago to suicide. Uh, so I grew up in very, very picturesque, happy town called St. Ives in Cornwall, where everyone goes and that's just designed that place to be happy. Um, so when I say that, everyone has the reaction, like, oh, so amazing, so jealous that you're from there. And actually, what I find quite difficult is actually my childhood memories of Cornwall and St. Ives are the complete opposite as to what most people experience that, mm. that town as, um, because it was on actually a holiday park where my mum and dad used to, to manage. That was their job, where unfortunately my dad uh, took, took his own life. And so I got really weird and mixed emotions around not only the place, and but actually the, the, the bereavement in itself. Um, mm. And yeah, like I was saying, I'm actually, you know, heading down to Cornwall uh, as soon as we finished recording. So mm. yeah, lots of different thoughts, but um, yeah, I guess um, like my journey within that is uh, certainly wavy. I think I started uh, when I was a little boy, 12 years old, when I first found out that that, 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 that happened, mm. um, just choosing to not think about it, choosing mm. to try and bury it away as, as, as much as I could. Yeah. And I remember just like waking up like 
normal school day I would get out of bed probably late like most teenage or slightly almost teenage boys would and I could hear like there was commotion like downstairs like everyone was like talking I was like this is this is odd this just doesn't happen and what is it Mm. got up and then yeah I could see outside that there were police cars and things were cordoned off and you're like okay Mm. this is not good so I can just about remember that ran downstairs and that's when when I when I found out and uh, mm. I think the bit that I always like lean back to and always remember on that day is that my first thing that I said is that I wanted to go to school like I wanted mm. to go to school as soon as I found out to get me away from it yeah. and it was like a, a a kind of powerful moment I think as I look back on myself as a little boy thinking mm. I just wanted to run as soon as I found out anyway and I just mm. kept on running yeah. <laughs> like you'll fight or fly totally, yeah exactly just became that and as you can imagine my mum didn't let me do that but she just let me go outside play football yeah. and be myself and I did that for the whole day mm. um, but yeah it was a coping mechanism that whilst not helpful uh, was helpful at that time was mm. to run because <laughs> I couldn't talk at that time. So Harry if you wouldn't mind would you mind telling us a bit about your dad? Absolutely yeah so he um, looks like me <laughs> that's, that's one thing <laughs> uh, he um, what was his name that, first, Harry? What was I'm his sorry, name? yeah. It, my, my dad is called Will or William. Will. Um, yeah. William Henry Corrin. Um, <laughs> classic name. So Corrin is a Cornish name. Uh, yeah. so you don't really hear it outside of Cornwall. I think that's always fascinating. But it's a Cornish name. He was uh, a really, really very talented, like um, artistic uh, sports person. So he left school and went. Uh, and joined the navy i'm so at like 17 wow. years old he was in the falklands war like it's wow. unbelievable trained to become an electrician whilst he was doing that and came back and i guess always had like more labor like mm. jobs as he was an electrician by trade but he was also a fireman he used to make like stained glass so if you're very like artistic as well but also yeah. like very hands-on and practical he that this is something I, I like to tell people is uh, so in our hometown in St Ives the main doctor surgery that everyone uses has these huge stained glass panels that mm. people go into and they sit in the waiting room they're huge yeah um, and my dad created those stained glass panels like wow. not many people know that but they are um, like four very like lovely images of St Ives Beautiful. and I, I sometimes show that to people and it was yeah. something that definitely after COVID just reminded me of how powerful like his actions were like in his creativity so people craft, were sitting yeah. in that yeah people were sitting in that waiting room probably wondering like what was going to happen with their lives and their families and that was the that's the only bit of light you can see so yeah. it's quite a powerful kind of that story is. I guess that he's still kind of there in that, in that yeah sense. and even uh, for you to you know go past it or whenever you're, you're visiting to kind of see and to almost watch yeah, the everyday people walk past it or enter enter the yeah, the search and just think you have no idea and kind of it's almost like a little secret and it's um it's really powerful well Harry today one of the main things I wanted to talk with you about today um, and one thing that I found in both me being immersed in the grief gang podcast and being involved in the community and as we were talking before we recorded of just getting to understand other people's losses and type of losses and how important it is even if it is so far removed from us and we have not experienced it the importance that we can all do better by one another in in bereavement and so with this episode it'll be coming out during suicide awareness week and I really wanted to highlight and speak about the importance of language around bereavement by suicide I don't know do you look back Harry potentially like a, a rhetorical even thinking question out loud of looking back and thinking well maybe they didn't know what to say because 
we've not really talked the language about it as so on such a delicate conversation and a loss um but then that's still not good enough though just because it's so delicate it's still not good enough and also just you know I think over the last couple of years with mental health and mental well-being I think definitely since the pandemic and still during the pandemic of people's mental health and their well-being around the correct language to be using one around suicide and two around bereavement and suicide by the people who are here and who are suffering and sometimes the language that can be really quite triggering and actually really upsetting for them so first question really harry is why why is language around bereavement by suicide so important yeah, I think you, you hit the nail on the head in terms of the, there's two parts. There's the actual like m- moments before that people yeah. find hard to talk about suicide and then also in suicide bereavement as well that people find it hard. And I kind of think the learning is the same. Mm. Is that because it is so delicate, people sometimes avoid it. Mm. And it takes a huge amount of courage to do that. And it also takes a huge amount of education and probably um, maybe like curiosity on the person's mm. part to actually want to really... Yeah gain a connection with that person. Uh, And that's kind of both those moments leading up to suicide for the person who unfortunately does take their own life, but also someone who actually is bereaved by suicide. And because yesterday it's so delicate, it's not like an excuse as such. And I think, um, you know, if I reflect back on why and how is that I didn't put dad and suicide or family and suicide in the same sentence until I was about 22. Right. Unless they were extremely close people um, to me. And it became a point when I was going through those life stages of uh, education, you know, university, employment, mm. dating, new football clubs, these things that I was doing. And I would tell everyone that he was alive because it was unbelievably easy to do that. God, yeah. It was so easy to God. just navigate that conversation. There were people who knew me for like months, some people years, who actually yeah. thought he was alive and he was doing those things. 
available and it's like yeah, and I look back at them like 12 years old I was named in those articles God. there was the, com- the, the way in which suicide was talked about mm. and that and I read those articles as 12 years old and I also knew that everyone around me had read those articles every parent yeah. every football manager every friend every employer and I was like well actually like I'm completely connected by this word bound and to it yeah at the same time, feeling like I was by myself in that, like I was the only young guy who'd been bereaved by suicide. Mm-hmm. And that kind of ability to see that it wasn't just me only happened years after, like yeah. 12, 11, 12 years after mm. you start to see that because you don't really talk about it. People don't talk about suicide. And it, I needed education. I needed to see other people who had also seen something in the same place as me, mm. not the same place, but had been there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you then start to think, you know what, actually, suicide is an unbelievably big part of me. One of the biggest parts of me is always going to be. Yeah. It doesn't have to come with that heavy, heavy weight. I recently read a book by uh, the wonderful Jack Rook called Cheer the Fuck Up. I don't know if you've read it or if you heard of it. Okay. I think he'd re- it's brilliant. It's a brilliant book. Yeah, Cheer the Fuck Up. It's fantastic. And in this book, Jack speaks about, Jack's predominantly speaking about the death of his father, and then subsequently other losses, like he lost his dad and then his grandmother and then his best friend, Ollie. And it was actually before Ollie took his own life that Jack decided to get involved with, um, I believe it was Calm. He started getting yeah. work with Calm. And there was a segment of the book where he spoke about, it was like a guide that Calm, or potentially, and I think the Samaritans have done something like it too, of basically for media of basically saying, pull your fucking finger out and stop yeah. saying shit like this. And so in things like it, so yeah, I wanted to highlight it of kind of, and kind of get your thoughts on it as you touched on there, how you saying, you know, even if you did want to kind of, you were so desperate to detach yourself from this, but you couldn't because your name has been blasted in the newspaper. So talking about how people report things like this, and yeah, going back to, to, when, to when that happened to me um, and my family, it, he was described as a handyman. Um, handyman. I mean, handyman. He's a mm. he was a fireman. <laughs> he yeah. was a fireman for many years, and he was a qualified electrician. He ran his own business and yeah. had people who, who worked alongside him. A handyman, mm. um, and yeah, talked about the way in which it happened. Had commentary as to why. Named his 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 family in that. Talked about some of the hearsay and maybe some of the reasons that might have contributed. But none of this was contributed by by me. I was yeah. one of the ones who was then damaged as a result of that. Yeah. Um, and this is what happens after when someone passes away, be that someone in a local town or a celebrity, mm. sports side, however it might be, is that people want to work out why. And that can be quite damaging. Yeah. It can create a really damaging ripple effect. And to be quite honest with you, if I'm really, really truthful, um, the ripple effect and the damage that was caused after my dad passed away was harder than losing yeah. my dad. Yeah. Actual and not being here for the rest of my life. It was yeah. the was the hearsay and the and the, the actions the happened after was way harder mm. and that's the honest truth you know the number of times when people say they want to make, create a culture where you can talk about suicide and mental health yet won't focus on language first yeah. yet they'll have people who don't know the importance of language and mental health and suicide it's like mm. well you have to start there yeah. you have no choice because everything else can just be wasted yeah. and that goes down through the media all the way through to friendship groups right yeah. and uh yeah, so the media, I think, you know, in terms of the, the need for delicate reporting, I think it's true. And yeah, you know, 
Things like uh, a family history of suicide are huge contributing factors to someone else's mm-hmm. risk factors. Um, so yeah, you want to make sure that those around the person are, are also protected. Yeah. And like you say, they're more than just that. That there's such an importance and a responsibility from us all as a society to do better by this, whether it's impacted you directly or through somebody that you know who has been impacted by it. We all have a duty, a due diligence as as community to do better. So what sort of things can, you know, what and how can people better educate themselves to learn correct language around bereavement by suicide? It's difficult, right? Like it takes, you need to prioritise it, I think, uh, to want to learn about it. I mean, you know, sadly, it sometimes does take like an unfortunate loss to then think, you know what, I need to learn more about it. And, Mm. you know, it's, it needs a proactive uh, approach. And why I guess, you know, Suicide and Co, what they do not only in the uh, the way they're trying to change the culture around mm. around suicide, but also the, in the, in the moments after, um, and you know, I think it's with many types of of, of trauma or difficulties that you know we, we need to talk about it. So start, you know, you might not, it might not come out fluently, you might get things wrong, but you're it's the it's the effort and the courage to start and want to learn. So there's that, but then also you know you know get involved with the amazing the, the amazing charities that exist, mm. and if you do ever see someone who might perhaps have thoughts of suicide or some gut feeling that you have in your mind that that's not right that's different to how you know them Mm. um because sometimes people when they go through difficulty and trauma and various life changes may have thoughts of suicide yeah and you asking that question directly is not going to give someone thoughts to take their own life it's one of the biggest myths that hold people back gosh yeah if you ask that question Someone might say, no, don't be so silly, but I'm having a very awful day and numerous yeah. things have gone wrong. And I've said this comment, I know I didn't mean suicide. Yeah. Then what you've done is you've opened up a conversation on really Still, important things. Yeah. <laughs> and it's, it's almost, you would, yeah, you'd rather go to the extremity hmm. of go like, hold oh, on, did you mean that? And did you mean this by that? And then go, no, don't be daft or something like that potentially. But would you not rather have at least explored and opened that? You know, if you did mean that, you are okay to explore that. And gosh, hearing you talking then, Harry, and it, it's really speaking to me in terms of as much as I say, you know, I have I have not experienced a, a loss by suicide, but struggled with my own through my loss. And that somebody actually wrote into one of the um the question boxes that we'll go through in a second of they said something like, I've not been I've not been bereaved by suicide, but I, I did lose lost my mother and have felt feelings of and my gosh that spoke so much to me and it's um it was a tricky one of um hearing you speaking then just yeah about how the the effect and how I so wish someone said to me you saying "Mm, just pack it all in one day Mm, that don't sound right Amber um I put a questionnaire out to the grief gang community just asking uh, ahead of this recording just to share some of what their thoughts and feedback and opinions are on around language around bereavement by suicide what do they what do they prefer what really grinds their gears and what do you think could be done better potentially so um I will read through a few some there were quite a few that were very much the same this was quite evident as to why this thing came up and really a real dislike to it so um so the first one is so quotation death by suicide or quotation ended their life feels appropriate quotation committed suicide is still linked to when it was a criminal offense i also hate the notion that people are selfish for suicide and also that a singular person was the pure reason for it there tend to be a multitude of reasons 
So powerful. Mm-hmm. I can't, I, I completely connect with those points. Um, so I'll try and kind of go step by step through, you know, end their own life, um, die by suicide, lost someone to suicide. Mm-hmm. It feels warmer, like as warm as you can make a subject like this, it feels like to the point enough. Yeah. You're saying the word suicide, but also maybe end their own life is clear. Yeah. You're not passing any judgment with that mm. versus, you know, someone who, co- you know, commits suicide. And yeah, it's con- it is connected to the fact that suicide was a crime up until 1961 in the UK. And yeah, it's beyond me. Like when you think about the reality of what that sentence means, mm. not only does that person feel that much pain in their life and that much loneliness and that much like mm. uh, difficulty that they then took their own life or they died by suicide and then they're not here and we say that they've committed a crime yeah. and they also can't speak for that because they're not here. Yeah. It's like so uh, belittling, yeah. damaging, like blase, whatever you want to call it. Like it's just awful. Yeah. yeah, traumatizing, stigmatizing. There's so many things to go with it. And, you know, that is the one. And sometimes, you know what, I hear it quite a lot. I hear it every week, actually. That's not exactly right. You know, it's honestly, I, I'm beginning to hear, I heard it in a, in a group that we were doing earlier this week. And the way it sent a shiver down my spine. So it, it comes down to education again. It comes down to people accessing and learning about the topic yeah. to then talk about it in the right way. Let's go through a few more because some of them are really varying. So another person says, yeah, I hate it when people say anything the lines of it was their choice or successful suicide, brackets like you never have a choice. I do really appreciate it though when people let me talk about who they were as a person outside of their mental illness. I thought that was really yeah. important. Yeah. I love that one. Yeah. yeah. People, yeah. Allowing a person, like you, you asked me that question, right? You, did, yeah. you started off in that cause and it's such a nice way of doing it. And I think the more that we can do that, you know, these real people, right? <laughs> yes, they They're died beings. in, a, in a, that particular way, but you know, there's, these are real people, real human beings with stories and skills and yeah. things that they were amazing at and things that you remember and by. So you want to, that to live through like we did yeah. in this first part. Absolutely. Um, yeah. It's, you want I like that I like that when people want to know more sometimes it still kind of uh you know shocks me when people do ask you but I like it like it's a good yeah people ask me about that and people are very quick aren't they to ask you about people who are live right yeah exactly it is like so long can go by can't it without them actually asking and especially mm-hmm. if kind of if you're kind of like working in this space as well, where kind of people know that the work that you do is because of you've lost a loved one to whatever nature that is. So kind mm. of, um, it's sometimes always, yeah, skip the bullshit and just go straight to to the death. And you're like, oh, I wish you'd kind of start a bit earlier actually and ask me about yeah. what they were like as a parent, just a human being, as a partner, as as anything, yeah. anything. So even like last night, we um, at the time of this recording, it would have been a couple of weeks ago, and this comes out. Um, we did a we did a workshop last night. It was just called getting to know your person and we just did a whole two hours of journaling and writing and just sharing memories and like characteristics and hopes and dreams that we had for our people and our relationships and it was the most moving two hours of my life just and we all sat there we were like my gosh like we thought we were good at speaking about our people as they Mm -hmm. were we were like but my god and I looked at my journal and I've just like uncovered memories that were just so parked back just hearing other people and so it's um really important for us to however the person has died to for other people who are listening from listening who's supporting somebody to keep asking about the person there's so yeah. much more than just their illness or their death yeah so this one I thought was interesting I thought well, how do we how do we navigate it so this one says I would sooner people just speak naturally 
Taking time to consider how you word something can make it lose meaning. I don't find committed suicide hurtful because that's what he did. I know not everyone feels that way. However, our suicide bereavement group, they ask us not to use the word, not realizing how triggering it is to just hear the word suicide when you're you're not expecting it in a sentence. The way I like it referred to is my dad took his own life. Yeah, and then they did say, or died by suicide. So I guess in some context there, they are okay with the word suicide. But even, yeah, kind of, um, yeah, not realising how triggering it is to just hear the word suicide when you're not expecting it in a sentence. And then that made me think, oh, gosh, I've just put up a story asking people to share. And I thought, oh, shit. Like, I don't know if it's even my place to kind of say, like, oh, with trigger warning. I have, a, I have a weird thing with trigger warnings. And I don't know what that is because uh, whether to unpack this now and to be to delicately, it was, I think when, I mean, rightly so, I think there are some things that are rightfully needing trigger warnings, but like around like with certain losses, there's sometimes trigger warnings that are specifically for them and some there's not. Do you kind of see where I'm going of kind of why does one need to have it? Almost like, it's. I feel like something could maybe a bit othering. Yeah, I think it's really hard to comment to mm. comment on, and I think. But what it, I think it tells me, if I was to summarise it all, is that you know everyone's going to react differently to, yeah. to suicide. I think everyone's going to react differently to hearing the word suicide, and then even on comments like uh, you know committed suicide. I don't mm. know how how the person framed it. That the father can, um, ended their own life, I believe, was the one. That yeah, she prefers, yeah. Yeah, I think I think I would also be extremely comfortable with that. But I think on trigger warnings. You know, again, like, you know, my stance is about talking about it is that we can help prevent it. So I, I, I need to talk about it. I need to yeah. say the word suicide. Um, but I try to make a comment and, and, then, and then signpost to the, uh, the particular resources if you are triggered. But mm. what I think what I've learned around trigger warnings is that whilst I'm very comfortable hearing about it, like the topic of suicide, yeah. or very comfortable around uh, uh, saying it myself, what I'm not comfortable with is when I see suicide in a film or yeah. a documentary yeah. or something like that, and it completely takes me by surprise. And you've mm. got like a powerful film that you're watching and you're enjoying the film. And then suddenly, you know, yeah. someone might be there, you know, who, who, who you know, walk into a room and they, they died in the same way as your family member does. Yeah. It's like, well, that needs wow. to be told to me. Yeah. I cannot get past that. It's something I'm quite passionate about because I used yeah. to have this like horrific um, pain that would come in my neck like mm. all the time I had to access therapy to learn more about it like, I couldn't have particular shaped objects like around me I couldn't yeah. like if I was dating someone then be wearing a necklace I couldn't have people touch my neck yeah. myself and suddenly you're watching a film and someone's like gashed their entire neck or they've got yeah. you're like whoa yeah you think, was <laughs> like, not expecting that, that. I need a trigger warning on that and yeah. I can't. so that's why I can't empathize with someone if they when they hear the word suicide it has maybe and it some does, connection yeah. to one when I see it I think my angle is more of it's because it's to help society of like, if I, okay, if I put this, yeah. then they know and it's a bit comfortable for them and a bit more like, no, fuck them. Like, it's, this is real. And um, mm. to not censor, I think I'm speaking more on like grief expression, how you want to express it. But um, yeah, but then that really opens up and, and makes me think more about of, yeah, why for some it is really important to have those, yeah, those trigger warnings, especially in, in movies, in television and. I know there's been many programs that have come out and there's been, you know, upheaval after because, and I've watched, I've gone, yeah, fucking hell, guys. Like, 
And they'll put it, they might put it at the end, right? Have you been I, I mean, well, it's yeah. It's too late for that, right? Like you've just literally shown it into my face as yeah. I'm trying to use my hour off. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm sitting here with my partner trying to watch a nice movie yeah. and have a cuddle. So your whole mind is gone. The whole you've just, you're not even watching the whole plot. The rest of the yeah. movie, like, I've just completely fucking forgot that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I, I liked this one. This one kind of really kind of spoke to me and kind of what I was kind of, I guess, kind of getting with the, the whole trigger warning thing and kind of the... No, this is what's happened and this is, we should say it as it is. So this person says, I like to use the expression, quote, Christian took his life when referring to my son's suicide. I also readily use the word suicide in an attempt to destigmatize it, playing my little role in moving things forward. I feel no shame in talking about the nature of his death. I completely, wholeheartedly, 1000% agree with every wording of that sentence. And again, not for everyone, is it? But for me, by saying the word suicide, I think it's helpful. I do think it is for the whole. But I, again, you have to be able to try your very best to put yourself in the shoes of other people. And, Mm. you know, I know that my mum finds it very difficult to hear the word suicide. Yeah. Um, Yeah. I shout about it from the rooftop so that even if it had been one suicide, two places people connected have very different views. So, Um, but yeah, you know, that small role you can play to make a difference and make a difference in your world. And, you know, I think that's it. That can have the ripple effect. Yeah. We can stand up and talk about this in our sports clubs, in our schools. Well, you mm. know, be careful on that one, actually. You know, in our education systems, let's say. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, we, we want it that way and we can normalise it. So. Yeah. What are your thoughts on, before, yeah, um, before I'll, I'll wrap up with one last, what are your thoughts on kind of, suicide education in in yeah in, in the education setting how how do you think we can go about that harry so i think it depends at like what level but i think what yeah. needs to happen if i was to like simplify my views down is that we need education on understanding for children as to how they think yeah you know how they think not what they think mm-hmm. if, okay how have i come to that view that actually lots of things are happening and this is how i feel like that you know mm-hmm. have we got professionals or an education system that can build an understanding for young people as to how they think. Because if we mm. can do that, then actually, if someone does have thoughts of suicide or potentially whatever it might be, then maybe they might have a greater awareness of how they've got to that point. One of the last things I will share with you, if one of these, is someone just said, I hated when people said, well, that's what she wanted. So she's at peace with herself now. You know, the vast majority of people who who die by suicide don't actually want to die they want to rid themselves of the pain like get rid of the pain escape the pain it's quite a difference it's quite a difference wanting to die and not want to live with that pain or that feeling yeah um and yeah i I, that that annoys me that i think um you know they they didn't want to be here you know that was their choice you know you know it does kind of touch the nerve a bit yeah um, because no, it's about like you know understanding why that person might have that reason, and every single reason is okay. But it's about understanding it, unpacking it, like you said. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that would touch the nerve. And people there. don't understand how much then that might feed into your already own thoughts and potentially own feelings of, you know, one thing I hear when I speak with people, potentially potentially feelings of abandonment and potentially feelings of whatever it is, and how much little remarks like that feed into it and again just going back to what the title of this episode is going to be you know why is language so important because you don't know if those little words that roll off your tongue 
um, kind of the damage it can do. But as we were saying earlier, you know, just simply saying, you know, if you if you do say the word like committed, you're not an awful person. You're not an awful person, and you and you can you can do better. That's the that's what I think the one thing we can take away from this, isn't Harry? You know, we can hopefully people listen to this is that knowing, you know, if you're listening, thinking, oh God, I've said a few of those things, or you know, don't <laughs> you're not an asshole, you're not an asshole, but you can do better. And there are multiple people and charities and organisations that are here that you can dip in and out of breeding yeah. it is all there at your hands isn't it yeah yeah i think so you know it's okay to say the wrong thing yeah. but it's about okay well like i said the wrong thing i didn't mean to say that but i wanted to try and form connection with you i think it comes back to one of the comments you had on your on, on your list is that actually you know we don't want to stop people talking for saying the wrong thing like that's the last thing we want but it's yeah. just about a bit of um you know, conscious effort to think, okay, well, if I'm going to say that, what might be the impact of saying it that way? Mm-hmm. You know, you want people to have more pauses. Like, we live in such a rushed world. God, yeah. like, let's think and plan about yeah. how we talk. We can do that. To sit it in the possible. silence of going, I don't know yeah. what to say, maybe even. And to sit with yeah. those silences. Oh, well, how Run around comment. I don't know what to say yeah. right now, but I'm so glad you told me. Like, yeah. Say more of that, right? Yeah. <laughs> and just say, just say oh. yeah, what you mind thinking of. Yeah, like, I've got no mm. idea what to say to that, but. I'm here and I'm glad you told me and I love you and I'll support yeah. you in any way and capacity that I can. Exactly. Because you're not going to be able to solve the person's issue or problem yeah. or the person they've lost. You can't bring the person back. What you can do is form connection on it. Yeah. It makes the person feel less lonely. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I think that change of mindset and framing of the conversation and the role that everyone can play is that's what needs to happen in my opinion, because um, I think sometimes people go into conversations thinking, well, I just don't know what to say to that mm. person when they've lost someone. You, say, you don't really say, need to say much. You show that you're caring, that you're there, and you want to know more how they're feeling. Yeah. You don't need to talk that much, to be honest. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Shut up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, Harry, thank you so much for being here with me today. It's been so insightful. And so I've, I've learned a lot more. Again, even I thought I was kind of up to speed and stuff. It's just so, so fascinating. That's like fascinating, but just intriguing and educating. And thank you for sharing your dad, William, with us. And it's been a delight to have you. No, thank you very, very much indeed. It was a pleasure. I could have spoken for much longer. I don't know how where the time's gone. So. <laughs> I know, I know. Um, we just get going. Um, well, uh, Grief Gang, thank you for listening. You are now going to hear a little snippet from the founders, Emma and Amelia from Suicide & Co. Hi, it's Emma and Amelia from Suicide & Co. We're here because we believe, like Amber and Harry, that language is so important around grief and suicide. That is exactly why we included the word suicide in our name when we set up our charity two years ago. We've both been impacted by suicide and that is exactly why we're on this journey. We believe that anyone impacted by suicide deserves support and that support looks different for everyone. The support here at Suicide & Co is our national counselling service offering anybody over the age of 18 across England and Wales access to 12 free counselling sessions as well as our helpline which is open Monday to Friday 9am to 9pm again giving you access to a a bereavement counsellor as a listening service and alongside that we also offer digital resources on our website guides around language resources that are signposted to and shared lived experience. 
And if you want to join us, follow us at Suicide and Co on Instagram or find us at www.suicideandco.org for more information about how you can donate, fundraise for us and access all the services that we've just highlighted above. Oh, a huge thank you to Emma and Amelia for that wee little snippet. Love those girls and what they do. Just totally adore them. Thank you so much for joining me on this week's episode, this first episode of season four. Beyond excited for this next season and what's to come. I always find it so funny when I say I'm beyond excited. I say this all the time. Maybe I should just stop using the word excited um, in the context of a grief podcast. Um, But you can find Harry and engage with all of his work by visiting his website at www.harrycorin.com. So that's Harry, last name Corin, C-O-R-I-N or on his Instagram by searching harry.corin. Big love, Amber. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm. 